Are we live? Yeah. We are rolling. Yeah. Oh, great. All right. Well, thanks for waiting for me, guys. I feel a little silly. Um, well, it is <laughs> 109 p.m. Better late than never. A little late. We're actually usually this this time frame. Uh, it's the Yang Yang Roundtable, Friday, July 31st, in the very interesting year of 2020. And today we are featuring our own Sheridan, who is going to lead us in an open discussion on cryptocurrency which does tie into electoral politics and the economy and poverty. So I would love to yes. hear what you have to say, Sheridan, uh, I guess Thank without further so delay. Shale. Yeah. Uh, let's get right this is it. actually a uh, discussion that was sparked by Faye Doni, another one of our uh, roundtable members who is here with us. She has a few questions on this new asset. Uh, cryptocurrency, in its most basic description, is a virtual money that you can in exchange for other government-backed money as a, as a divestment strategy. Some people do use it as a, as a core of their investment strategies, but I highly uh, recommend against that, mainly because of the incredibly low regulations in this type of market. Uh, cryptocurrencies themselves are pretty simple to explain. Uh, John Oliver made a great joke um, about them. Everything you don't understand about money and everything you don't understand about computers put together. But <laughs> it's actually not that difficult. Um, cryptocurrencies are just other monies that individuals have made and use a technology called the blockchain to secure. Cryptocurrencies were uh, originally an idea of a decentralized money using public ledgers to keep track of transactions, especially in our uh, digitized world now that we can actually tra uh, track so many transactions and keep accurate records. Uh, the main problem was a duplicity issue, where if you send money to two people and they both arrive at the same time, who takes the money first? And do you, if you don't have enough to pay both of them, what happens? Um, this is where the blockchain technology, technology came in and solved this in 2009. And that's when these... Uh, cryptocurrencies really took off as a uh, actual asset that investors started to dabble in realistically. Um, the blockchain uses mathematical uh, problems as basically uh, gates that teams of computers have to spend hours of electronic processing power to figure out and crack. And then when they do, they get rewarded whatever this cryptocurrency is in set amounts. Um, teams of computers and people will join up into these pools and uh, divide the reward amongst its members according to processing power. Um, and this is how mining works. You would uh, just buy very um, high-end computer equipment and program it to just run this mining software continuously. Um, and this would be the security feature for the decentralized ledger. Um, the ledger would remain decentralized and just be updated. And the amazing thing about cryptocurrencies, especially when we're talking about currencies that are being used by millions of computers, is the duplicity doesn't really become a problem. Because even if you were to get, like, let's be ambitious, 40% of all computers on the same ledger to do a singular attack to create a duplicity 
um, it would still be outweighed by the accurate 60% of the computers that have the proper ledger. So attacks are very difficult to uh, make on this uh, type of security feature. And that's how they've become so popular as an asset. People will actually put money in them and just use them like a stock or a bond. Um, most popularly, their function is in um, underground purchases or purchases across uh, international borders because of the reduction of uh, friction. Generally, to send an international wire transfer across countries, across currencies, and across uh, banking regulations, you have weeks of time that that money essentially spends in customs. And uh, while that's waiting, whoever needs that money could easily just not be able to receive it for any number of reasons. So the fact that these currencies can be transacted instantly through a uh, different entity than the official governments speeds up a lot of these value transactions. Uh, so, Faye, now that I've given a very, very brief explanation, what are your specific questions? Um, I have a lawnmower going next to me, so hopefully you guys can... Uh, give me just, like, one minute. Take Sorry, your time, that's all par for the course. Anyone um, else have some questions after that? It was a lot to take in. Um, yes. <laughs> gosh. It, it is a lot. Okay, he's a little farther away. Can you guys hear me? Where's this oh, yes, Faye. Okay. Well, um, okay, so there was definitely a lot there. So when you say uh, it helps with money transfer, okay, so essentially it's equivalent to currency that we have now, right? Is that what you're saying? Yes. These, while they are speculative, while the regulations on them are low, while the um, values can change suddenly, they are in fact and in practice currencies that people can spend with. In fact, uh, businesses, even legitimate businesses like cannabis seed companies, who are generally shut out of official channels and official banking, give discounts for people and patients who buy cannabis seeds with cryptocurrency, because it's a cheaper asset for them to take in rather than actual cash. Okay. Um, so you were talking about blockchaining, block mining, like, uh, that's a whole concept I don't comprehend. So like, uh, yes, it, in its very basic, simplistic description, um, the blockchain is a bunch of data bits containing, uh, probably a few thousand transactions that were done over the past second or past minute locked together with an algorithm or a mathematical problem that a bunch of computers take either guesses or calculations at breaking. Different mining softwares and different types of programming will offer different uh, attempts and different strategies, but that's very much in the programming side. And that's not really where our concern is as politics and basic income goes. The money side is a much more interesting aspect. Well, I guess I, I'm, I'm just confused how people are getting money from this. Uh, like how does... oh oh so people aren't getting money from this you you misunderstand how it how it work, works a currency is is not get these cryptocurrencies aren't uh, gotten through work and labor like we traditionally uh, describe it where you would go and get a job and someone would pay you this um, there are some very small niche websites that allow you to offer your services for cryptocurrency but that's incredibly niche the majority is not in that. 
uh, the majority is in this as an asset speculation or as in a value transfer. So, um, could you, you compare it to a different system that we such as like maybe um, it could be uh, compare it to a machine, compare it to a system of uh, oh, uh, an analogy. I can give you a good comparison with our current Forex markets, but I think Jacqueline would appreciate that that kind of a comparison more than you would. Um, as a good analogy, uh, cryptocurrency is is pretty much like the stock market. People put money into that, and then that drives up the value of these fictitious digital coins that are indeed secure, but it takes a few days. Now, if you're transacting value and it's a few weeks normally, cutting down to a few days is actually great. But unfortunately, because of how slow the blockchain security works, these currencies can't really be used like cash because it takes a few days to verify that the value has been secured in the blockchain. So, um, though... My problem with that analogy is I don't understand the stock market either, so... Oh, I see. Um, So value isn't derived from the coins like being able to be used as cash. The fact is that you can change cash into these coins. That's the value. Um, It allows you to sidestep uh, official channels that take too long. For example, if you're trying to do what GiveDirectly does, um, which is give money to developing communities or uh, to communities in developing nations, Um, people who don't have access to a bank, period. They do not have a banking institution in their village. They would have to travel hundreds of miles to get to an official bank, and let alone having the credentials to open an account and receive such a uh, transaction. It's just almost an impossibility. However, with cryptocurrency, they just need internet access. And that's far more likely, especially with projects like Starlink from Elon Musk, trying to give high-speed broadband to developing nations in full. Um, That's the real application of these cryptocurrencies. So it's like a Western Union, but uh, more secure and uh, with... Online, yes. Yeah, with more freedoms. So um, when it comes to uh, cryptocurrencies like Karma Credit that came onto our show, who passes out credits that... Uh, reward uh, good behavior um, you know like where where does the source of that cryptocurrency come from I, I don't comprehend the source well the source is in the nar- narrative story of his coin so just like how our green backed currency is backed by the federal government essentially backed by our military it's from an economist standpoint backed by our taxes um, so that's how our green cash is, has value to us as a society. But for Karma Credit specifically, he is trying to give a different narration on another uh, currency. This can be uh, viewed uh, similarly to a few hundred years ago in actually uh, probably like three or four hundred years ago, not that long ago, just before Europe set the gold standard, individual um, villages would have a handful of goldsmiths that would actually maintain uh, citizens' money and give them receipts of deposit that they could use as cash or help uh, maintain 
the storage of gold that they minted as value. Um, the reason why we have central currency is to eliminate the uh, dis- the multitude of individual currencies because they can vary in value and exchange markets become very complex. But because of our digital uh, age, we can actually have such complexity and not really throw overboard the major uh, um, bulwarks that we have in place now for our current exchange of value. Uh, Like I was saying, the main problem with cryptocurrencies actually becoming a new cash, like so many enthusiasts want, is the time problem. We, it solved the duplicity problem, which, uh, to be honest, uh, Karma Credit doesn't really use the blockchain technology to secure it. It uses a centralized authority, just like our central banks do. Uh, basically, the bank prints a certain number of coins and says, these are all that exist, and we have to verify them. But the blockchain allows for a decentralized option of that. So that's the main uh noise that was brought up with cryptocurrencies and why they exploded into uh, the uh, investor circles. So it's like a, 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 well, okay, so cash was kind of like an IOU uh, from the bank, uh, or like it was like a, you know, this is worth this much gold, you know, but then they raised up the value and changed it. I don't know where I'm trying to go with this. I mean, I, I guess I'm trying to... So well, so it, it can measure any type of value is kind of what I'm hearing. Well, ideally, capitalism tries to provide currency so that people can extract any kind of value with it. But that's beside the point in cryptocurrencies. I might have gotten a little too complex with the history. Um, when you asked how, does the, how do these individual coins have value... The flat answer is because people have put money to buy these coins from other people um, because they think it has value. That's the flat answer. People think they have value, just like how we think our currency now has value. It's really just a representation of value. So how does one use cryptocurrency to um, in their everyday lives then? Unfortunately, that's what I was trying to get into, the time problem. With most transactions, you have a product and you need the currency and you need to transact them in the same instant. So you can't just sit around waiting for the currency to be verified for days. That doesn't work for most transactions in our economy, especially around food, rent, utilities, um, immediate purchases for our lives. Um, They can be useful in international transactions when you're trying to send money across borders and across regulations because the internet has essentially no regulation. It's just whatever that individual currency sets up as regulation. So it's easy to transact value across uh, borders, uh, but in real time, no one's really figured out how to get the decentralization, the blockchain, to be verified quick enough. It it takes three or four blocks to be verified, and each of those blocks takes hours at a time to verify. Um, I have a question on, uh, I guess, in a similar vein. uh, How does one convert uh, a cryptocurrency such as as Bitcoin into real-world cash? 
Well, that's kind of the reverse uh, uh, side because most transactions is people paying money into Bitcoin to get Bitcoin to buy something. Um, like I was describing, uh, going international, sending someone a an amount of value that they can exchange in their local currency um, is the main use. It's like a giant Forex market, um, though it can also be used in the underground market or the free market to purchase drugs or to purchase uh, weapons um, in an untraceable way. Because like I said, the internet has basically no regulations. So how does one fix those kind of problems? Um, honestly, uh, regulating it, actually understanding the internet from our, gov- our government being able to understand the internet would be a great first step. Um, so that uh, Department of Technology or whatever uh, Ying was talking about, having one of those? <laughs> having one of those, yes. That would be the absolute first step to really getting our hands around it. Because right now, all we're doing is trying to slap on 1920s stock market laws into the internet age, and they don't exactly fit. We still, to this day, have pump and dump schemes that are completely legal because they use cryptocurrencies instead of stock bonds. So how would one, um, like, so the FBI would have to investigate these kind of things for that kind of punishment? or like- Oh, no, this is, this is not the FBI's domain. It's the FTC and the IRS's domain. This is 100% financial crime. It's, it's not even close to uh, criminal. It can be used for criminal endeavors, but like I said, the untraceability and the anonymity of the decentralized technology is so valuable because it it is so pure. The reason why we haven't really been able to figure out a decentralized system besides the computer blockchain is because of the trust issue. The uh, blockchain actually allows the distrust of economic actors to be the security. That's an interesting concept. Yeah, because if everyone's always checking their ledger to make sure that everyone transacted the same way, I mean, that's you you using distrust to ensure trust. Of course, this... everyone's not really checking. It's their computers, but... Yeah. But, that I mean, if it's technology and, like, you know, not emotionally triggered, uh, that's also helpful. Uh, yeah, especially with the uh, amazing redundancy that the blockchain offers. It, it really has only a few weak points. And because of the number of users, for example, in Bitcoin, it has, I believe, like over 3 million wallets that have some Bitcoin in it. And uh, Japan itself has actually legalized Bitcoin as a real currency that can be used in some stores. Honestly, though, like boutique stores, stores that would not really be um, keen to fraud, but... Uh, you you understand what I mean. It, it's definitely a good step for this type of currency. So how, how like, if this becomes the new way forward, um, how do we transition our current population into it? Well, um, honestly, we have to uh, understand that the reason we have government and the reason government is slow is because we can't get everyone on the same page at the same time. Uh, legacy is really important to think about when you're uh, thinking about building new systems like this because the efficiency is there and it's really good to reach for it. But you can't leave anyone behind when you do this. 
for example, if we removed all the road signs because everyone has a phone and everyone has GPS, well, that's not helpful for people walking. So we still have to think about the time problems. We still have to think about fraud in major markets. Um, and most importantly, we have to think about what our economy even means. Like we've been discussing for almost a year now uh, on this podcast, we we need a basic income so that everyone is valued for the priceless human that they are, for the priceless piece of our economy that they are. And we need to do that with good old fashioned green cash before we do anything fancy, because we need people to get into higher education get more familiar with um, computers, get more familiar with programming languages. And I hate to say it, learn to code a little bit because even scientists in uh, biology are coding because they have to use simulations in their work. Uh, it's no longer just a nicety or an option of, of the elite or the learned or, or the business people or whatever d- label you want to apply everyone needs to know how to use our advanced technology effectively. And that needs to be the first step before we can uh, really start to use the powers of cryptocurrency the way it can be. Though uh, I don't see it really taking off anytime soon until we deal with that and a lot of our other political problems. Um, I think it's just going to remain a speculative asset and it's going to slowly get regulations on it as we, uh, wrangle with what technology is in our everyday life well um i i really think that what what you said over there about like the priceless value of a human yeah because a lot of people have like creativity and imagination that's outside of the realm of what's happening right now and how do you how do you put a price tag on a person's creativity or imagination or or kind of like maybe they have an idea that's never been explored before, like Einstein. He came up with relativity or like Stan Lee to come up with all these like comic book characters like that. That's that's just something you're never going to know and understand and put a price tag on until it actually happens. But if those people were deprived of basic survival resources before they could make their contributions to the world, then, uh, you know, we would never know about them and we would never have those things as, as, as something that added, you know, you know, lifetime positive value to our society. So there could have been thousands of people out there who could have added so much lifetime value to our society who were never given that chance because they had to think about survival needs. And that is just a load of crap if we're talking about, you know, the future and humanity evolving, etc. Oh, my friend, I, I linger on this thought because it, beyond our current time frame, I think about all the millions, billions of Americans in our 300-year stint as a country born as a slave or born as a child laborer and dying before they can actually do anything meaningful to our economy. It's my greatest fear that modern economists will not be able to see the value, the infinite value of human culture and human science, because that is hard-earned information that can never be reclaimed if it's lost. Never. It's harrowing to me. And, and it takes this cult of an economy that we live in that like worships 
the almighty dollar to not it's 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 like we're living in a cult we're it's living not in even a, it's not even an economic cult it's it's a it's, neoliberal cult because economic theory is actually mm-hmm. sound on this it recognizes the innovation of individuals being an infinite value and that mm-hmm. the cost of a basic income is not is is nothing compared it's to it peanuts not it's, even it's, peanuts it's, it's a couple of atoms compared to our right. universe Right, exactly. All, all we have to do is take out the trash who create our laws and our policies. And I mean, they're, they're, they're Congress. Just like, you know, yeah, convict and evict. Maybe that should be our thing. Convict them for all of the lives they, they unnecessarily made suffer and for all the innovation and creativity that's well, stolen. Ariel, I, under- I understand you know, the anger you're feeling, yeah. but... Think about, you know, uh, the boss himself, Andrew Yang, and, um, you know, the guy who kind of inspired us all to come together. I'm sure we're getting some feedback. I shouldn't be using external monitors. This is terrible technical producing, and I apologize. But um, think about his answer to the question of should Trump be in prison? A hot button thing before COVID happened when we were doing that particular piece. I'm not talking about Trump. I'm Um, talking about, like... But I mean, it's just like, it's very divisive to say we have to put these people in prison. I understand. And like, I, I feel that in a way you are yeah, right. I'm not just talking about Republicans and things. I'm talking about just like the, 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 no. the ideas that these people came up with yeah. have just like hurt humanity for like. They have. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. I mean, I, and like and tactically, when we say they have to be in prison, people stop listening to us. They just shut off, yeah. you know? Um, well, so I mean, sure. I'm not sure. saying that's definitely the way to go. It's just something to consider. It's just, it's just. I, uh, well, I just I, want to bring I, it up. It came to mind and, uh, because you know, I, I think, I think some on. people like a little bit of like fire and like absolutely you right. Know, no, people stuff. love that. There is a good counter argument. You know, there are and different I, and audiences. I'm not, and I'm, I'm not just talking making of, the counter. And I'm, counter I'm, not, I'm not saying this as like the Democrats or the Republicans or the Independents. I know. Yeah. You know, thing. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying in general that this, this mindset of scarcity that these scum buckets have us living under is uh, completely unnecessary. And it's, it's kind of like you going to the doctor and the doctor, you know, stabbing you and hurting you, and you're like, "What the hell are you doing?" He's like, "Well, yeah, I just needed a little bit of practice, you know, to to see yeah. if I can fix you up." It's like I was never the, the, like I came here for like a tiny little flesh wound, and like you stabbed me in the stomach, and and it's like, yeah, but I needed practice. I need practice doing surgery on you. It's like this is what they're oh, yeah, doing. It's absolutely they're, a criminal. They're creating as, as unnecessary pain un- and suffering because they're pieces of yeah. shit. But I yeah. Understand. You know, you know, it's, it's, it's disgusting. And yeah, so, so the thing is like this, this lifetime value that we're never going to understand because of the way our economy behaves. I just think that, you know, little by little it's going to happen, but it's just a shame it had to come to this. <laughs> I'm right like with you, Ariel. Okay. Let's uh, shift back to crypto a little bit. Uh, what's that, Faye? Um, um, well, I was going to talk, it kind of relates to the original thing too, but, um, yeah. So the thing is the internet is new. It is a baby, right? We flooded the market with everything that we thought would be entertaining on the internet. Right. And then we're like, oh wait, this is a tool too. Okay. Um, and so now we have access to so much collective information 
that um, we have all that garbage mixed in too, right? But then if you go start talking to people, um, they're like, oh, well, this thing we're watching, this is a little wrong. Like people are um, correcting the information that's on there, right? And we're, we're like, no, 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 no. We need to focus on the truth and not all this other jumble of things. So now we have teams of people coming through as if they were a mechanic, you know, fine-tuning the machine that has been created. And I think that's the phase that we are right now. We, we have learned the internet. We were so surprised. We had fun with it. And then we're like, wait, you know, I don't want to just be a, a toy for this machine. I want to be part of it or I want to help evolve it, you know, and have a message with it. And so now we have these people who are going out you know, talking about civil rights and using the communication tools now available to us to highlight all these problems that we have. And we have teams of people we can form in order to correct these uh, problems that were invisible before. Awareness alone is curative, right? Uh, but we have people who are just plugging into the internet. You know, my grandpa only got a cell phone like a year or two ago, right? He's 80 something. And the reason he waited is because he didn't like phones, right? But, you know, that's a lot of time wasted on learning a technology. And, uh, you know, so when it comes to computer coding, you know, you, you, you might have quality stuff, but you still have to be able to be walked through how to get there, um, even if it's self-taught, right? And so that comes to cryptocurrency, too. But if we are having new people plugging into the system, we look light years away from, you know, someone just plugging in. It's like my grandpa being like, I don't know how to use any of these apps. I don't know the purpose of them. I don't understand any of this social structure. You know, my grandma she knows Facebook and she's learned how to use Zoom calls, but that's because she wanted to be connected to other people, right? She had more motivation. So we have people who are not motivated to plug in and understand this technology um, and or they're so old they don't want to learn new tricks, right? We might learn a couple, but we're not going to be experts per se. Um, but the older generation has knowledge that we can apply to the internet. Um, so we have to make sure we have these conversations uh, in order to understand what even got us to the problem in the first place. All this corruptness that we have in the government was easily hidden because you all you had to do was take out the only pr- people who knew and then you could hide your secrets, right? Well, now we have a lot more transparency. We have a lot more technology to like observe and report, essentially. And we have a better chance at checks and balances. You know, we are taking down bigger, you know, mobs because of uh, the kind of technology we have available to us, you know. And, and so stuff like cryptocurrency uh, is something that um, I think is good. But I mean, I, th- I think there's a whole, um, what do you, the frontiers of cryptocurrency understand it. But I think until it's a translatable, um, you know, thing uh it's not going to be picked up in the mainstream um and i think that's with anything but i think it's easier now because of the internet ramble over (laughs) and you're very right about that that's why i discuss why uh government really has to think about how they do legacy if they want to follow china and try to experiment with a cryptocurrency to 
lighten the cost of our money supply. But um, that's, I think that's still like a, at least a presidential election or two off, you know, like a decade maybe. Um, though I did want to discuss the uh, news that we were discuss- we had pop up with the uh, three martini lunch write-off, which I, I have to agree with um, the, uh, uh, I can't remember his tag, the conservative liberal, I think. Uh, said might be hyperbole. Uh, it definitely is because the current tax is 50% write-off and uh, the amendment would just be a 100% write-off for um, restaurants specifically. Um, and it's very sensible considering restaurants are like having no traffic at all uh, in their stores with this crisis, whether it's due to state lockdown or just consumer confidence. Um Though I did want to uh, elaborate on what it would mean if uh, businesses could buy bulk food for their employees and write it off, because it would be a, a really big step toward a hyper-capitalistic uh, sent, uh, sense of our economy where businesses uh, could see a basic income before citizens. And that's interesting and concerning to me as an advocate. I would love to hear more of your concerns. So that maybe we could formulate action plans to help curb that. Um, it's it's really depending on how it's implemented. Like this uh, three martini lunch was uh, described. It's it's not really that um, impactful. But if you tweak the tax code so that businesses get a basic income and that food can be written off as a tax expense. Um, employ employers could just hire employees and just put them in housing, write it off as a business expense and provide food, almost setting up a, uh, an incentive in our tax structure for more communistic collectives to, uh, get done with, uh, whatever business needs to be done. Um, like, uh, worker co-ops right now are pretty popular, but they aren't directly incentivized like a, a food tax write-off would incentivize. These worker co-ops, um, what kind of organizations use them? Oh, any kind. Uh, farmers, markets, retailers, producers, manufacturers, energy sector, um, financial sector. Uh, anywhere can be a worker co-op. It's, it's a structure of business instead of an autocratic CEO telling everyone how everything will be and taking advice from his uh, officers, it would be a uh, form of democracy, whatever that uh, workplace decides to do, whether it's ranked choice voting, first past the post, star, or any other uh, method that's been developed and officially implemented in that business's constitution. It allows more transparency and more authenticity and maybe a little less corruption. Is that what I'm hearing? Uh, depends. Again, it depends on how it's implemented. Uh, if only the officers are allowed to vote, it doesn't matter what the format of voting is, the employees are still not allowed in. Worker co-ops generally are, everyone in the workplace can vote. But again, it depends on how it's phrased in the Constitution. I was also wondering, like, when you talked about, like, back to cryptocurrency, in Japan, they can just, like, buy things with it is there like a cryptocurrency like credit card or something like that or oh no uh like we've seen yeah with your phone is generally how it's done off of apps um like we've been seeing with all kinds of small businesses like starbucks 
uh, Facebook. They're trying to get dip in their own toes into the cryptocurrency, whether they use blockchain or as a central authority is mm-hmm. uh, up to for debate. For example, uh, Starbucks has an app that you can load up with regular cash and just pay with. So that's generally the same format that uh, China or not China, sorry Japan uses for their uh, Bitcoin markets is it just a swipe but again it's only for a few boutique businesses where a few days are okay to wait I see because like like a, a McDonald's worker isn't going to wait days to hand you your food ah uh, well but well, if you're buying a giant rug that could be shipped later maybe exactly exactly if you're buying oh. furniture large purchases a house. Um, those kind of purchases that take long t- amounts of time can absolutely use cryptocurrency. Uh, and the uh, Japanese government has regulated it, or at least as much as they can. Interesting. So, so, so you still can't do like quick transactions in Japan with Bitcoin? Yes, uh, you can't. Um, because you can't. Uh, okay. Yeah, you can't because of the uh, time problem of the blockchain technology. Like I was saying, each block, because of how complex these problems are and how many millions of computers using uh, thousands of kilowatts of energy to crack these problems, it takes a few hours to verify each block. And you can't verify a transaction until your block has been uh, put a few blocks down the chain because any block at the end of the chain can be changed by a new block. That's how the duplicity problem is solved. Um, if 40% of a computer, of a cryptocurrency user base says this one transaction hap- happened and it puts that block on the chain and the other 60% of this user base says, no, it didn't happen, it can knock that block off the chain and put the proper one on. That's why you have to wait a few days to see if the transaction you made is a verified transaction. So, like... There, um, to me, the uh, stock market seems kind of like gambling a little bit, right? Uh, it it is. It is to a point. Um, there, there's a lot I have to say about the stock market as well. Um, but, uh, but but if if it's kind of like that, does cryptocurrency kind of become a gamble too, or can it? Um, as much as the stock market can be, yes. Because just like the stock market has rock-solid indexes that are maintained by multi-billion dollar financial corporations that their sole job is to monitor these handful of companies that they are making a derivative index for, there are some companies that are monitoring their cryptocurrency blockchains as tightly. Um, It really depends on what cryptocurrency you use. And honestly, the most popular ones are the most secure because they're the most uh, there's the most people mining those blockchains and ensuring its security. So, for example, Bitcoin is a very stable asset. Dogecoin is less so. And Thracklecoin, whatever that is, I might have just made it up, is absolute garbage. You just have to know what the uh, format is, what the um, user base is like, how big it is, um, and what the verification is like, and what its history is like as well. Um, Just like any company or business that you would want to put money in for a stock. 
that's how it's the same. There are good coins and there are bad coins. Just like in the stock market, there are good stocks with good companies that are trying their best and bad stocks from companies who are flying by night to make a quick profit off of financial speculation. And you'd have to do your due diligence and research to figure out what is what that you're investing in because it very much is an asset right now. It's not a full-on currency because of the time problem. It's not like gold where you can just buy gold and you know if society collapses, there will probably be someone who wants gold. But it's, it's not that flexible, unfortunately. We do a good deal of thought experiments on this uh, show. So I just thought, what if there were a cryptocurrency that gave all users a basic income? That might be a way to experiment with basic income, right? Like dividend coin or something, someone where if you oh, absolutely. commit I'm... to using this currency in some capacity, you will get X amount of equity in the currency, a small but significant amount per month. Maybe you could comment on how that could be um, executed logistically and like what the amount might be and ways maybe we could make There's it There's already a few coins that take a, a try at that. Um, like Faye was uh, talking about Karma Coin tries to derive value out of goodwill and tries to reward people based on that. Um, there's a, a coin called Sweatcoin where you download this app and it measures how much you exercise based on your GPS, your accelerometer and your phone and um, a few other sensors. Uh, and it will reward you based on how much you exercise in coin. Um, there's a lot of different ways to uh, extract this value and give it as a as a baseline. The real question is the infrastructure to accept the currency. For example, I can write a million dollars on a piece of paper, but no one's going to accept that as as valuable unless <laughs> unless there's incredible informational asymmetry. But that's beside the point. Um, it's not going to be accepted unless I have enough people working with these pieces of paper, you know? So the uh, real problem with getting a basic income coin is that uh, most businesses that provide crucial services like rent, utilities, food, won't accept it. And that's where our government has to step in. And that's why I say we have to have a basic income from the government in the government's cash before we can really see anything else happen on it. Um, Because I love the efficiency of computerization, especially if we have one or like one centralized currency that the government maintains on its own servers with its own blockchain machines and citizens themselves can also build their own machines to help increase the security in reward with more of these U.S. coins, Um, kind of like treasury bonds, but instead of debt, it's actual real electronic, well, in my opinion, Um, the value of electrons that were used to uh, produce those coins, you know, in cracking that mathematical problem. It's a store of electric value, in my opinion. That would be brilliant. Go ahead. No, no, that was just it. So I like to think of things in video game terms, you know, because that's what I do. And, um, you know, thinking about if we had a video game where, you know, all the people had currency that they used and agreed upon as the currency, uh, you know, it creates an easier flow of uh, everything. Um, So, but I mean, in reality, like, 
money, cash money, and cryptocurrency is equivalent to what you would find in a video game, in my perspective. It's just what name and label are you going to put onto it, and how are you going to enforce where this money comes from, right? So, I don't know. I think of think of stuff like this, and I, I just I'm trying to figure out how that would work in a uh, utopian kind of perspective, and it's still kind of hard for me to see. I don't know. Well, uh, to your point about one currency being uh, useful, um, there was actually an Economics Explained video discussing what a one-world currency would mean and the international frictions that uh, exist um, to preventing it, uh, mainly because of having a national currency is very useful for um, the uh, money supply to ebb and flow in response to productive demand. Uh, but to what you're saying about uh, cryptocurrency, um, could you could you rephrase that again? I, I lost the second half of your uh, comment. There. Well, it depends on what you're trying to have me uh, rephrase. Uh, sorry if the lawnmower is loud again. Uh, so I'm at a park. Anyway, um, yeah, essentially, like in in a video game or whatever, they would have one currency. Oh, oh, be- that's right. I, I, yeah. I remember now your your video game analogy. Um, that's where I got lost because I agree with you. It's I, I've been kind of shocked that in the U.S. specifically, we only have the uh, one the one currency, the uh, one bond that you can buy from from the U.S. Treasury, and then a handful of private selection. Well, not a handful, a very large private selection from the stock market as in terms of valued assets. And I was wondering why don't we have like other kinds of currencies? Like several video games have already had experiments on when they had multiple kinds of currencies, both inflating, deflating, and uh, different value types of currencies. Um, like you're saying uh, with video games, uh, there's one that comes to mind, like StarCraft. It's a it's a very old classic RTS game, and it always had like a minerals which were your cash vespine gas which was like a fuel and um and uh your builders which were you know your people to actually get your stuff done so i i definitely in video games we've had simulations of what would and would not work and it's just crazy that we don't apply more of that in my i agree it is it is bizarre that we haven't seen more application of of our video games because they are simulations of very uh, distant possibilities. I even like to think that the many worlds theory does in fact exist through our media, through our uh, games, through the stories that we tell. Uh, I mean, we have such a lack of creativity, imagination, and innovative thinking in our leadership, in the halls of power that it's absolutely atrocious it's ab- it's just disgusting it's it's like th- like no new ideas no nothing just going by the old ways things used to be done when all these geezers were growing up and i don't know what else to say like well part of that is neurology ariel a lot of mm-hmm. that is just neurology how much time that we spent uh, even thinking of strategy. I think, realistically, we just don't know the rules of the video game we're playing. All in the same theoretical video game. We just haven't it's, decided it's on the rules. 
right? We have all these well, different like it, to what Ariel is talking about. There's there's a observed ninety percent incumbency rate among members of Congress, which means less than ten percent turnover in a given time frame. So we are just holding on to a bunch of old farts, the very exact same old farts in a in less than a thousand critical positions that control the lives of 300 million people. Wow. That's that's got to make us want to puke. I mean, it's 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 disgusting. Well, no, it just means we have to prepare for when they die. That is my opinion. I mean, honestly, <laughs> Like we have, they're, they're, to. they're killing us. It's but, like, but see, they don't, know. they don't think they are. But the thing is, they haven't evolved with everything. Don't get me wrong; some have evolved and spent the time to learn the new world that is happening right now, right? But the later mm. you jump in on the game, the harder it is because you've already created okay. these neurons. But I think, like, our trying to have sympathy and empathy for them is part of the problem as well. You know, it's 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 like we're always making excuses for these people instead of getting them in trouble. You know, it it's like why? Like they have no, a I, job, they have I don't money, think... they have you know, they they have what they need. It, it's it's like no, like yeah, they're they're the real welfare sponges. Oh yeah, yeah. They 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 don't want to evolve. They don't want to do this and. And then, like, instead of instead of uh, where we say, like, oh, well, you know, they're just old, you know, give them a break. No, 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 no. It's it's not okay. Don't it's, confuse it's, my it's... don't confuse my empathy with my um, explanation. I I do think yeah. uh, you are correct uh, about this whole thing. Um, my my only thing is I'm just trying to say there's yeah, a reason for I, why I it understand happened. your Therefore, explanation. Yeah, but that that's just fine. means you have to create actionable items that actually uh, the real facts no, and, and mean, apply it. Well, yeah. Well, like a- Andrew's starting to get pissed off on Twitter himself, Andrew Yang. If you if you see his tweets, and unfortunately, you know, I, and I wish there was some other way, but it seems like the best way to get people involved and excited is to piss them off. <laughs> that that was Trump's entire playbook, railing railing against the same systems that that gave him so much privilege in his life, which is ironic. But I mean, hey, he he managed to to pull it off. And well, I part of like, it, you know, that's that I think that's one of the secrets. I mean, I mean, like anger is very powerful, and you know, like like we because we it's it's like come on, we try doing it the calm route and the logical route and the and things like that, and then like people 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 get bored. But it seems like when people don't get bored is when they get angry. I mean, I I don't know what else to say here. <laughs> it definitely feels passion, but um, you know, once you have that passion, easier uh, to face people who are narcissists and sociopaths and uh the thing is we are ruled by fear right and our egos but like the thing is um if we can learn how to face our fears we can actually make changes but like we got people who threaten other people's lives people disappear right so it's like how much are we willing to sacrifice to make the change how how many sacrifices 
have to happen in order for the devil to get kicked out of the seat, you know? Well, I, I think it's, it's like a combination. Once you get that mobilization through anger, then you say, okay, these are the actionable items. But then, like, we put the cart before the horse is when we have, like, a whole bunch of actionable items. And then people are not motivated enough to take the actual actions. So I think maybe part of that motivation has to come from, like, either people want to be entertained or either people want to be pissed off or a combination of both. So that it needs to be intrinsic motivation. It has to be motivation right. that we chose, right? Not because yeah. someone told us because they gave us money or anything. It's no, yeah. Well, well, we are well, self-motivated. Part of that intrinsic motivation is like when you tell people that they've been cheated or lied to or, you know, you know, done an injustice, that tends to intrinsically motivate them, you know? So, uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's thing. But, 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 and then we have to paint a picture, not just get them pissed off for the sake of just getting to just burn it all down but like there, there's going to be a day after when the whole thing burns down and that's what these some of these diehard trump supporters don't understand it's like there, there, there's there's a point where people just get so pissed off that they want to burn everything down but then it's like no well we can't really go there because you know there's going to be a tomorrow after everything burns down and uh that's not that's not going to be fun so, like, it's not about burning everything down. It's, it's it's about getting that anger and fixing the things that are wrong, you know. But that's what's happening. We have a whole country that is, there's so many movements being activated right now. Like, everybody's finding their little niche and being like, this is how I want to participate. The problem is, we aren't very coordinated. We can't make the change because we're all trying to put out our own little fires, you know. Um, but that, that might be part of the solution is like, you have the people passionate about certain things, getting in there and doing the dirty work and the risks and the sacrifices because of their passion. And if we're all doing it right now, I mean, honestly, the whole world was activated with this whole pandemic. And then like the whole George Floyd thing, people are activated, people are passionate. And I think, um, good things are coming because of that passion that was ignited. Um, at individual levels. I mean, when Yang dropped out, a lot of people activated and started working on their own ways to make the world a better place. And if you start looking around, they're they're in the larva stage. They're, they're yeah. already growing. Yeah, but but the the thing is, is that like literally, time is of the essence right now because it's it's like like we we have such a you know the pandemic would have been one thing, but like. Like, you, you, you would at least think, okay, like, I understand the pandemic is nobody's fault. But the same thing is, like, what is the fault is, like, like not, like, supporting people through this and cutting off these extensions. It's like they're just adding insult to injury. Like, the injury is bad enough. But that will activate more people. It will create more passion because the closer yeah. you are to scarcity the more action you will take. Except yeah. for the problem is you get a little more aggressive. Okay. But that might be exactly what we need in order to get out of the situation. We need people who have been in cushy positions to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. We need them to activate. And that only happens if they're uncomfortable. Yeah, and exactly. 
and yeah. if you, uh, you know, threaten their survival, which maybe they haven't had happen in a long time. And they need a wake-up call. Well, I, I definitely know as one of the uh, half-dozen cities named by our fascist leader, I'm definitely activated, and I'm sure others have gotten armed up as well. Like, we're... Is that where you are, Sharon? What's that? Are you in Albuquerque? Yeah, that's where I'm at. Oh, okay. So, so what what's going on in the streets? Uh, still peaceful protests, uh, mainly around federal buildings and federal statues, like or the rest of the country. Um, there's been no okay. real violence, thankfully. Our state, um, aside mm-hmm. from whatever federal troops may be coming down, is very uh, not very much not racist. We actually have, I believe, a Hispanic or, or a Latino and Black majority. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, our, it, there uh, is Mexico in the name, so. <laughs> Welcome, Angela. What's the uh, Southwest. Yes. I'm actually kind of shocked that Arizona has the problems it does of nationalism. Mm. Though, of course, it's uh, absurdly hot, so. Yeah. The heat. But is... yes, welcome, Angela. We were talking about <coughs> cryptocurrency today. Talking about what? Cryptocurrency? Yes, we were talking about cryptocurrency ah, and. Okay. Uh, Shifted over to civil rights like we normally do, especially in this moment of history. So, okay. Um, if, 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 okay, so I'm starting to make a documentary. I don't know if everyone in here has heard me talk about this or not. Um, and I uh, was drawing a comparison to um, the treatment of tigers and the show Tiger King, okay? And I was comparing Joe Exotic and Carol Baskins to our politicians, and that we are the tigers, and uh, their feuds and squabbles and narcissistic behaviors attacking each other does not actually take care of the tigers, right? And they are, uh, you know, wasting money on lawsuits instead of, you know, feeding and taking care of the tigers. So my my problem with that is I don't know how to um, create a world where those tigers can live and feel, you know, uh, thriving, right? So, like, um, if, if we could solve the problem for those tigers, I think we could draw comparisons and extrapolate it into our own society because i really feel like you know we got a carol baskins and a joe exotic fighting uh over random stuff that doesn't actually affect the animals that are completely in their care and i i feel like you know a lot of our citizens we trust our government we have to trust that this works for us um yet our owners are squabbling now i i once worked with tigers um uh, for my senior project, I was like, I want to be a tiger trainer. So I did some mentor hours, got some like a paper written and a presentation. So like um, the guy who worked at the park, like he would walk into the cages with these tigers and they would just love on him. Right. They just and, and other cats, uh, you know, and it seemed like a very symbiotic relationship where um, every everything felt loved and cared for and taken care of. Right. And, I mean, they even educated the public about these animals. Um, So, uh, like, I see that as a a vision that we could work towards. But how how do we create a uh, relationship like that with that particular tiger owner? I'm not sure. 
This is my next part of my documentary that I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> Anyone? Uh, well, I'd like to say that's way off the topic of today's uh, uh, discussion, but I'm I'm not really sure where to go with that. I I, I think if we, yes, you're right. It is completely off topic. Uh, if well, we like, don't, I wanna... think like the tigers have to become autonomous and like uh, overthrow the the two. Uh, people and then put actual tigers in charge instead of humans i don't know like more more people in charge who are like us instead of like these narcissistic basket cases that we have running things around here just go hunting everywhere if we're talking about literal tigers (laughs) now i have the most horrific image of uh mitch mcconnell dressed up as joe exotic so thanks But, I mean, like, okay, so you use currency in this scenario, right? Like, currency comes from outside of the, uh, it it comes in, right? Uh, So, how do we compare that to what our society is right now um, to take care of facilities like this? You know, like, the systems at work to run something like this, you know, they have, I don't know. They celebrate the tigers and make money off of them, you know, uh, to help feed them and take care of them. But, uh, you know, when, when I worked with the animals, you know, sometimes they would get roadkill. Uh, I mean, they would slaughter horses uh, for these animals for them to eat, you know, um, it's to save on costs. I mean, bears would eat dog food uh, and apples and peanuts and stuff. So, like, the the... The way we take care of the animals and afford them, you know, sometimes there's creativity. And I feel like in our country, we need a little bit of creativity as well. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Because I think the money is very important. Like, it would be like as if the cat park was, what, you know, given a monthly stipend or something. I don't know. So I suppose uh, the simple answer is um, put the money in our hands and let us kind of fix our lives just put trust in people and then right because the benefits start to actually spread yeah that that's the thing it's it's like i remember when um like i i went traveling and hosteling and when i just had the resources and when i was free like even if i would get lost i would just like pull up like a map on my phone and say like, oh, well, this is the, this is the way to get there. I, I understand this. And then like, I could just like entertain myself and, and I would go and ask questions to people. Hey, where's this? Where's that? And uh, it was, it was just such a great feeling to, to be autonomous and to, to, to um understand how to work with my own resources, whether they were m- mental resources physical resources I would walk somewhere or uh fiscal resources like the money that I had and I think that the like like our whole upbringing strips that away from us when we when we go to school because it's like you're you know we we don't make our own schedules and we don't think about our own thoughts etc think of it yeah 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 and and we're we're, we're kind of like stripped of our, our autonomy when we go to school and then all of a sudden when we graduate from school it's like here we're giving you all this autonomy and uh we spent the last 12 years taking it away from you good luck 
And then it's like, what the hell? And then and then all of a sudden, instead instead of getting a basic income, uh, uh, we have to go through all these hoops to get like to, to, to go through this web of bureaucracy. And and it's like our autonomy is stripped from us in school and then instead of being given resources so we can learn what to do with these resources the resources are stuck in this web of bureaucracy that we have to navigate and get confused and it's total bullshit it's it's just it, it's like it's like we should be learning how to be autonomous and all these things you know so if we were forward. to draw a comparison what i'm seeing now is more like a uh you raise them and, and then you let them go back into the wild and in other countries i mean they have these uh tiger sanctuaries that have a buffer around them before you have a city right i mean you think of what was it wilson no that's not right the the guy who uh theodore roosevelt maybe uh who created the first um reservations of land for animals here in america you know, so that they had places to roam and learn uh, the way of the land and live freely. I mean, we've just decimated all the different populations of animals on this planet. And uh, I think that's one part of the problem. But, like, I mean, what if there was an area that had a buffer and tigers could roam freely? I mean, we got cougars and bobcats that can do it. Um, I mean, America has jaguars. Or not, so jaguars could be the other one that looks a lot like it but like i mean these are things i just learned while i was part of this but like if we if we can have wild bears and like you know they come into the city when they're hungry right uh (laughs) but in general they keep to themselves um i think if if we could find a symbiotic relationship with nature uh with ourselves is this still a metaphor or are you talking about (laughs) like actual you know things yeah. I I mean I, I I'm a it's a very loose veil of like metaphor uh to some of it but like I'm saying we as humans need to be able to roam wildly and free to get our own food and resources too um you know but I don't know in a lot of ways maybe well, we are well, great cats well the thing is is that like that 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 is not how we are it it it's like the whole society around us before your age of eighteen tries to domesticate you. And there's so many avenues of resources and things you want to do that are just cordoned off to you because they want to check your IDs to see if you're 18 years old. And when you're under 18, you know, you know, like, like they, they don't let you do a lot of things. And then all of a sudden, when you pass your 18th birthday, it's like all of a sudden, oh, congratulations. You can like do whatever the, the hell you want. And then like, like, here's the stupid parts. There are uh, privileges and there are like respons- responsibilities and things like that. So the thing is, is that like they they give yeah there are freedoms and there are kind of like uh, responsibilities. The thing is, is that you can't just have no responsibilities and no freedoms when you're younger than eighteen, and then have all responsibles and all freedoms when you hit your eighteenth birthday. It's it's absolutely stupid that there's no transition period to that. So then so then there has to be like a period when you're like 14 to to 18 or something like that where you have a little bit more f- the, the freedoms and then a little bit more responsibilities that kind of like, you know, you know go little by little. 
because because to just like say all your responsibilities or freedoms are locked and then now you get the combo of responsibilities and freedoms it, it it's it's totally stupid it, it, there has to be a transition period or else it's called you teen know. angst in high school <laughs> yeah it's it's but but you're still kind of like you know enslaved at that moment when it's like you 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 have to report to these classes and these and that and you know you know all these places and it's it's complicated but i think this this coronavirus crisis like young people should be really pissed off because it's like okay like we invested so much time effort and energy into all of these education and all of this stuff and then now that we actually want to do the work to like be getting the money entire industries have shut down so there has to be some kind of level of compensation for that because it's not your fault that all those things that you trained for all of a sudden disappeared without the you know you know through no fault of your own uh, yeah it's like domesticated animals being put out in the wild and expecting to live and not yeah. knowing what an- enemies like are even targeting you yeah, yeah, well, well, there, there, and and it's good you brought enemies because there's so many predators out there in the wild, and in modern society, those predators are like scammers. How 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 many phone calls does, does a do, do do robocallers get? How many scam job offers out there that want like this kind of personal information from you? And our idiot, you know, schools never get- even talk about these scams when we're when we're getting our education. They never talk about, like, be careful, don't give out any of this information, or, like, this is the way you apply for jobs, and this is what a scam a job offer looks like, and uh, it's not right if somebody want, wants money from you to give you an opportunity, be wary of those things. None of those things are even fucking brought up, you know? It, it's fucking idiots. <laughs> Someone else was talking, and it sounded like you were going to say something. I don't know who that was. Okay. <laughs> Just wondering if we're still on topic. <laughs> we are totally uh, poverty done. electoral politics. <laughs> and we talk about what creates the poverty. You know, yeah, is, a is, lot, a lot creates be, the poverty. So we're often right on topic. because 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 it's it's like you know the old saying goes, knowledge is power, and like insights are power, but memorization and regurgitation is not power. It's not empowering, and that's that's what our schools have to offer that that that's what you know it's ridiculous it's it's like we're 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 never we're told what to think not how to think and that's what creates all of this the thing what's happening right now though is society's going to start evolving because of the pandemic right schools are already closed down right so um people are already tired of all school shootings right now yeah. there's people who want to get paid what they're worth. Uh, there is people who are trying to move away from the system and start homeschooling. I mean, I've met many friends of mine that are homeschooling these days. So, I mean, and now with this pandemic, uh, some parents are being forced to homeschool, right? And so um, they're getting a little more in touch with the reality of our systems right now. Like, all the parents who had to take in their kids are getting an aha moment and actually looking mm-hmm. at what stuff is. So, I mean, realistically, this pandemic is going to help alleviate some of those problems we've had before. Well, yeah. And maybe parents will be like, wait, you're not learning critical thinking. Maybe I can teach some critical thinking. 
Right. And and the good news is, is that we have all the receipts of just how bad and shitty and unhelpful that this system is. So so they can't say like, oh, you can't prove that this doesn't work. You can't. Oh, yeah. Like we have all the data. We have all the receipts. And uh, yeah, all the evidence is on our side, not theirs. In fact, like they're the ones that are dogmatic and are ideological with this capitalism the other thing about education these days is they were already i mean i've I've been talking to younger generation people too they are already switching over to computer learning anyway i mean when uh the internet was first starting you know like that was the beginning of computer learning um to some capacity but now like it is like, all your tests are online. All, everything is digitized. Uh, or not everything, but a majority of it, you know? And I think if we couple that with uh, gatherings, I think it's important for us to learn how to work together in groups. Like, I think that's efficient and effective. Um, you know, all we have to do is use what we have now to help influence change in the future, right? And if you're passionate about education, you know, get into those fields and talk to those people and learn how you can change it, right? Um, and, and, and that's all we can do right now. And we have quite the opportunity now that the pandemic's here. Oh, this is pretty funny. Like, I remember I took an online class and there were these tests that I have to take. And then our, the, the professor said, you are to install this software, uh, that, that you cannot minimize your screen while you're taking this test because, you know, you could minimize the screen and then you could go and uh you know uh, look up the answers on the internet but then like you still have a phone <laughs> so that's so, the problem with like i mean if, if a student really just wants to recurrently answers they're gonna learn a skill that you're not actually wanting to learn right you might want them to know the facts of a b and c but the real thing you're teaching them is actually how to look up answers and copy and paste right so uh, we need to have different types of education that's not just regurgitation. Um, because yeah, it's the stupidest form of education. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just beyond stupid at this point to, to, to make children memorize and don't open a book and don't have your notes and like thing like that. It should die like that, that, that. That's just like the dumbest thing in the world at this point. You know, uh, yeah. So, so think things should involve like, you know, critical thinking and like it, it amazes me. Like Andrew Yang said, we have no social, social and emotional learning. Like the, the like, like we we should really have like a a class in school that we learn how to study ourselves. You know, like what makes us happy, what makes us sad, what 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 do we want to do, and like all these things, but. That's nowhere to be found. And then we wonder why so many people have existential crises and get depressed and frustrated and they're unhappy. But look no further than the idiotic system that we have right now. And every time like the game that you're you're working on, your sort of manual to living your your learning yourself, Faye? Yeah, what about it? Uh, what Ariel described. Ariel described uh, a class for learning yourself. And it's sort of a bit, it reminded me of your game. I don't know if you want to talk about that too, Ariel, in that context. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm also working on a game, everybody. And I've been playing it for a while. Haha. <laughs> this is how I got where I am. 
Um, but yes, so um, essentially I have been teaching the different styles of learning and applying it to game mechanics and the hero's journey, which most people um, who have been successful have had their own hero's journey. Essentially, you go through different learning stages and a death of ego, essentially. And that's where transformation happens. And then you can actually start um, being effective and helping others. Because once you achieve your hero's journey, you're now the teacher. It means you've learned something that you can share. And so, um, like, there's just a lot of people who uh, have not learned that process. And now they're old enough that, like, it's a little harder to transition into something uh, like that. Especially if you can't meet your basic needs, right? So the idea behind this is to um, have a template of uh, areas you should be spending the time to research um, in combination with different um, learning styles so that you hit it from all the different angles and encode it in your brain in a way that creates easier recall. But you partner that with stuff like nonviolent communication and you partner that with like uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. Uh, which is a forward-thinking therapy that doesn't necessarily dwell on the past. It may pull from facts about your past, uh, but it helps you think about um, essentially what quests you need to go on to achieve a mission. Um, and, you know, within this uh, game, you know, you have to find certain types of teachers. You need your, your cheerleaders, you need your peers, your friends, your coaches, your mentors. And uh, so essentially what I'm trying to do is create a new educational system that is actually fun that can help people also make the world a better place um, because I'm working with groups like your guys's and other organizations right now. And I'm trying to figure out how the machine is put together because realistically everything exists. I just have to put the cogs together. And I figured out a way to help sort the information that exists on the internet um, because I've been studying it and people and animals um, my entire life. So, uh, I mean, I'm at the end of my hero's journey for the first time and I'm able to start teaching it soon. Um, I just... (laughs) The UBI is um, essentially the end of my story. Uh, Once that is um, in place, it will be easier for me to achieve my next phase. Um, and I want to help uh, encourage other people to have a 30-year vision for their lives or however big of a vision. Not everyone's a dreamer, though. Um, but it will help people find a peace of mind. Um, so, I mean, the education system that has been bothering everyone, I don't know, I was tired of hearing the complaints. So I started figuring out a solution and I've been you guys as a think tank to help me work forward with it but i also have advisors um and like teams of people that i work with that you guys don't even know about um in order to make this happen so i mean like if we keep going and i pair this with the documentary uh and if we get it on um netflix uh we will achieve enough eyeballs in order to make the change and i want to help people see that i'm a dreamer and that you know, I've stepped into a couple of my own dreams that I've manifested for myself, and I believe other people can too. So, there's that. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I think, um, sorry for like you know pulling the conversation away from Ariel, but I, I, 
Um, I think what I noticed, both you and Faye um, often talk about and kind of have, um, you know, different conclusions on what is to be done about, is there is a, a sort of erasure of the of the natural self, of, like, you know, the identity we have um, that we experience uh, going through high school and, or, you know, you know, even younger, junior high, elementary school, and college, and the workforce, and we're just mold, molded into a consumer, a sort of tricked or encouraged into molding ourselves into that you know we sort of supplant our own uh story about ourselves, i guess which is some good language i've borrowed from faye Doney here um with uh something that works uh, with capitalism to make money and to spend money so it's a real problem if there's just not really a, that's not a good fit for us um but we sort of yeah. trick ourselves into thinking it is and you know ariel i think you're on the right track saying we should be taught to know ourselves and really know what we want and what we have to offer. Um, but I think a classroom may be a poor tool for yeah. teaching that, you know, that particular sure it is. kind of knowledge. Maybe a game is better. Um, yeah. So I but, had a but, roundabout but, way of, of kind of saying that by bringing Faye in there. So if you want to continue, um, Ariel, yeah. please. Well, I mean, sure. well, I mean didn't, we, we had a whole episode just both of us talking about this whole thing and the problems of the entire system. Remember, I think it was episode 56. You should all go listen to it. Remember that show? I can't believe you remember the number. <laughs> yeah, well, well the, title anyway, no, the title was like, like the, the something of schooling with Ariel or something like that. It was right before. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right before the episode we had with Arika Simone. Right? Yeah. So, so, I mean, we've, we've been through this, but, but I think like the main thing here is that like the people in charge don't care as long as you're consuming, as long as like, I, I like to call it's like, sometimes you're a mindless uh, cog in a heartless machine. So it's like, it's like, that's the one thing you don't want to be, but there's different types of consuming. It's not just like consuming materials. It's like consumption for your soul. And and I like to see like traveling, like f exploring your curiosity, your imagination, your creativity. All of this stuff is like consumption for a different part of you that 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 has to have its needs met as well. That that won't be satiated with like a pill or with like a new toy or what have you. And we ignore that in this country to our detriment. Yeah, you know. Well, like, I found 10 categories I um, organize things to. So there's the physical needs, which is your inner body, so your health of your body. And then your outer needs is, like, the um, safe space for your body to exist in, right? Then you have your emotional needs. You need to have self-love, right? We all need to love ourselves in order to love other people. But we also need the outer world the, um, to accept us as we are authentically, right? We don't have that. And then we have our rational needs. So like, is what I'm doing right now making sense in the present? And then in the future, is what I'm doing right now making sense for the future of our world? Um, and then we have uh, our value needs. So that's like, how is our uh, family life? And then our outer um, tribe, tribe that sensory, like want to see, smell, whatever. Um, but yeah. that's that's your home life, and then there's your work life. Uh, so who you work with? So if you can achieve these ten different areas within your life to find homeless, um, you have a like Dan 
uh, in the world and desire and you're stronger. Um, problem is, uh, we have messed up that whole thing on a giant scale, right? We don't have our civil rights. We don't have like a political groups that know how to get along. We don't accept each other for as we are. We don't even love ourselves. Okay, so there's a lot of problems. And if we can help find structures or organizations that want to help take these torches and lead the way for, um, you know, stability and to find enough, then I think we can have a really healthy world. And I don't think it's impossible. And I think if you gamify it and make it competitive, people are going to enjoy it. So, I mean, we have movies right now like ready player one uh i don't know if you guys have seen it but i mean they obsessed about um this video game uh and it took over as a whole global phenomenon i don't think that's possible to achieve in like society i think it's very possible i think um and and then people get caught in a sunken cost fallacy because like so much uh time and effort has been a put into the status quo that when you challenge the status quo, especially for people who are old, like it triggers their, you know, psychosis because it's like, oh, like, are you telling me that this like, you know, um, society that I participated in for the, you know, 60 plus years of my life was like all BS and like, we don't really love ourselves and we don't really care and we're really dysfunctional. No, no. I spent too much time. No, no, like you're a kid. You don't know what you're talking about. Ah, oh. You know, like does that. So, <laughs> so, so the, the thing and, 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 but now we're seeing people go haywire because they've connected their worth, their, their, um, in life to their jobs. It's like, like that their identity has been going hand in hand with their occupation and now people are losing their minds. And it's like, well, that's that's what we try to say all the time. You have intrinsic value, you know? Well, um, to pull more from movies, um, I don't know if you guys have seen Wreck-It Ralph or Ralph Breaks the Internet. Yeah. But that is a great comparison to how people live in their own little worlds. We used to be mm-hmm. little arcade games. We were stuck in those worlds. But now we have the Internet. We are all interconnected. And there are all these different giant empires that have been created and we can coexist amongst different worlds. So um, think of a working group as, you know, a whole different platform where people gather and play, you know, Mm -hmm. and create. So, I mean, if we can draw like comparisons to those kind of things and apply it to our life, like what character would we like to be and how do we achieve that? You know, Um, we can step into any reality these days. Um, It just takes a matter of finding the right, way to get there right i i think um this 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 transition period is necessary though if it wasn't for coronavirus we were we were already kind of like in this late stage capitalism the pandemic has just accelerated it and uh and and some people really really want to dig in their heels cling onto the past and uh the wave's just gonna pull them out and uh I think this pandemic is exactly what this fucking world needed, and I hate to say that, but I think it's the thing that it happened in some terrible... I'm sorry that people have died. And I understand. I mean, yeah, I think it's, it's good just, that you have the candor the wake up call we I understand what you're feeling, yeah. I think it's the wake-up call we've needed. And right, I think and, 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 and I think... People. 
it's good that people can put them in somebody else's shoes for once. I bet, I bet, I bet so many people who are unemployed right now would, would have, uh, uh, got quick to judgment to judge other people who are unemployed. Like, oh, you're unemployed. Oh, you're, you're like, you know, you don't want to work. You're lazy. And then here comes the pandemic. And it's like, hey, hang on a second. I was just, you know, making fun of that guy or judging them for not having a job. But now I don't have a job. And it's like, oh, it's like, well, now you know how it, like, and I'm, I'm sorry to say that, but it's like, you know, it's, 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 it's time for some empathy. It's time to put yourself in the other person's shoes. And, uh, and then, and then hopefully we can unemploy the GOP assholes. Well, it's like, well, well, if you think about it, uh, you can have more news day and night that you're about to, is a terrible decision. But until you actually go through it and learn your own lesson, you know, you could have watched a million other people go through the same thing, but it doesn't mm-hmm. make sense until it is on the other shoe, you know, or it's right. reversed. I mean, yeah, I experienced there. that in relationships. They were just like, it's like you don't understand until you actually go through it yourself. And then you're like, aha. And I'm like, yeah, that sucks. I know. But apparently that's the only way we learn. I don't know. Well, I mean, there are some people, decent human beings who can, you know, have empathy and sympathy for someone without going through the shit themselves. But, uh, I don't know. It's, it's a very rare, you know, trait among very select people, eh, I guess. It should be more widespread. But I think, I think why people don't have that ability is because our culture has been so competitive and dog-eat-dog, make at least a dollar more than the other guy. Try to impress them with, you know, you know, you're buying more, and that, that that's why you know we we have. A but again, but now we have pandemic. Like we we have right. literally stepped into a new reality, and we can't go back anymore. We've woken yeah. up. Well, who wants to go back? We don't. Like, we, so yeah, only the we got to create. We just got to create the path for people to step into at this point and encourage it. Right. Right. Right, but the but the Yang campaign saw this thing coming from a mile away, from like you know, it, it's like we we already knew we didn't know it was going to be like this, but when Yang was running, we already knew that this thing was you know in the works. I think the pandemic was a way of like saying, "Hey, you idiots, you didn't vote for that guy." Well, hey, here I come. And I was like, "Huh?" <laughs> like, like I like think of it that way. It's like, it's because, because so many people were, like, saying the idea, what, paying people and they're not working? And it's like, well, now you can't work. And it's like, but, like, it, this was so funny. I saw this little uh, cartoon, this little image that said, like, uh, uh, the Yang campaign, a uh, pandemic presidential expansion pack. <laughs> expansion. <laughs> it, was, it was really funny. All right. And, and, and if we had a basic income before this pandemic hit us, just imagine what what a better place we'd be just like like how less uh uh thing you know as they say an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure you know and and that's where we fail we go for that pound of cure but we never go for that ounce of prevention because because of the uh uh impulsive nature of the market you know and the impulsive nature of people who just want to like think about things for like two minutes instead of two years the idiot leaders that we have but yeah that's just the way it is 
Well, we got uh, far away from cryptocurrency, didn't we? <laughs> right. But but it all ties in. It all has to do with like money and uh, you know, um, uh, you know, at the end of the day, like uh, any any uh thing that you use for exchange is used to uh improve your life or at least you know people want to spend their money on things that either may give them pleasure or improve their lives and we're just getting to the root of why you know all this depression and misery and hostility and anger exists is because our operating system is shit and we're trying to run all this advanced software on this shitty operating system with uh you know people operating it who don't know anything and uh and nothing's going to change until we change the operating system and stop blaming the software that's trying to run on a shitty operating system you know Jordan, you unmuted yeah i am indeed unmuted but i was just enjoying the listening to the conversation oh thank you yeah but um yeah i think i think that like you're right, Sheridan. Like when we get the uh, UBI part right, that kind of like gives us options because no matter what, you have to have money to even convert into cryptocurrency. Unless we're talking about like you know Sweatcoin or uh, what was that other Karma Coin, uh, but uh, but but it but like the, the, those are only re- really tiny drops in the bucket. Anyway. Like, you're really going to need, like, a good amount of money to convert into cryptocurrency. Unless I'm wrong. Like, yeah. Well, the the issue isn't about converting money into cryptocurrency. The issue is about the value and properly distributing it and having the infrastructure to accept that value. We could make a Yang Gang coin tomorrow with probably, like, a couple of hours of research into programming cryptocurrency and start distributing it to people. But unless people begin willing to... Uh, trade with it and create the economy with it, then it's not going to be any more value than the current poverty we have. Mm. Right, right, true. Mm. See, for, see, for me, like, just even trying to accept cryptocurrency was such a pain because I didn't have a bank account because I don't mm-hmm. trust banks, okay? And also my account just closed out because it kept overdrawing because of, like, one overdraft. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> So, uh, like, to accept cryptocurrency, you have to have a bank account. So you have to plug into somewhat of this whole system, right? And then, well, like... You, you only need a bank account if you are trying to get real cash out of it. Because you can just operate cryptocurrency off of a crypto wallet, just like any other currency. The problem is that the uh, currency does fluctuate in value, so you'd have to monitor your trades. Yeah, see, like... Because technically, I have some karma credit right now, right? I just don't know how to, like, collect it or use it or anything. And I'm just like, uh, I would love to learn it so that, you know, that was a thing I could do. And I feel like I'm I'm a little more, uh-huh. Uh, I think I'm still, like, I would know entirely uh, how to plug in and be, like, you know, a master of cryptocurrency, but I think I would just have to play with it, you know, and understand the world at a different degree and maybe do a little more personal research, but you expanded areas that I need to research. For you specifically, I'd recommend talking to, um, I can't remember his name, but the guy who we had on who made uh, Karma Credit because he probably has a preferred wallet. And then you just have to find vendors in your area that are, or online that are willing to accept Karma Credit. 
Uh, that's the real problem is finding a vendor that will take that currency. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Cause he was talking about how they actually sold a, a necklace or whatever, uh, based on the currency. Um, and they accepted that. And then to me, I'm like, well, it seems like it would almost be easier to earn karma credits than to actually like spend them. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of where a lot of our cryptocurrency, a lot of the cryptocurrencies are, especially more the bad ones. Because it's easy to throw money into these companies and get these digital currencies. But unless there's a solid plan for their expansion, then it's just speculation. You're just hoping that other people think that it's valuable and you can cash in on their, uh, let's say, bullish uh, speculation. And that's how uh, some people are getting rich off cryptocurrencies right now is just like the stock market except there's far less regulations. They're just speculating and getting lucky. A friend of mine, like, tried, you know, uh, playing, like, day trading and stuff and might have gotten himself in a hole. And, like, stuff like that worries me for people. Yeah, and that is a big concern with these cryptocurrencies because if you don't know what you're buying, it could just be as bad as getting swindled. Just like in a Nigerian prince kind of level of bad. Right. That's a pretty high level of bad. I would hope so. It... Fun fact, I actually know a Nigerian prince. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they exist. They're not all terrible. Just putting that out there. All right. Well, no, it's a, usually he's referring to like the scammers. No, I know what you're talking about, but I just want yeah, to throw they're, in a they're, little they're, The ones that say they're a Nigerian prince on the email are not Nigerian. They're just, they're just liars, liars. Yeah. yeah, though, I got an email this morning that said, you are hacked. I am a hacker. And I'm like, oh, I'm glad they're being a little bit more honest. Now if they can actually try something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just a thing, but, but it's like, like we... My stuff we, gets probed at least, you know, 20 times a day. Yeah, right? But, but the biggest scam of all is just like how, uh, you know, we... We don't have our intrinsic value. It, our, our, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Our, not just our taxation without representation. Taxation when there's nothing to be taxed. Right. Yeah. Stupid. I mean, like like Trump was asking for the payroll tax cut. Like, how is that going to help the unemployed? Like, <laughs> I know, right? Right. Exactly. Like, 50 million people will not feel that. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, it's completely brain dead. And another 20 to 40 million will feel it adversely. Right, exactly. It's, it's just, I, I, I mean, this worship of workism is completely gone off the rails. And uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's no other way to say it. I mean, maybe before it was important because we didn't have automation and people wanted a way for society to manage and run. Oh, no, no. It was only ever important when we were pushing through the Industrial Revolution and people were getting dislocated off of farms. That's mm-hmm. the only time this work as a mentality has ever been useful. And that was mm-hmm. a century long of dislocation, but it's no longer useful in any capacity. Yeah. yeah. Plus, the thing is, back in those days, a lot of people learned a trade from, you know, as an apprentice. You know, many people learned how to do uh, carpentry. They learned how to do um, 
machine working when the Industrial Re Revolution happened, a lot of people would just learn from the generation that came before them that would learn valuable life skills. We don't really do that in this country anymore. It's just basically uh, learn and regurgitate. Yeah, stupid. And, 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 and the first thing that they cut away when, you know, they don't have, they, they say it's too expensive, are the valuable life skills, and they keep all the garbage. Like, seriously, they can go fuck themselves, and I don't care. I mean it. They're, they're, they're absolute scum. They're shit. They're garbage. Well, you have to remember, the system was not designed to create the people that are creating the jobs. The system was designed to create an army of workers that could do simple tasks efficiently and quickly. Yeah, right. Until, until then, they're, they're no longer, you know, they're expendable, and that's where we come in with the right-to-work laws and being laid off and not, not being given a fuck about after that, you know. I like bringing up this particular point. We used to get around in cars, or, or, or prior to cars, we had horses and carriages, okay? Right? We were the horses, okay, of these machines that got us around with our society. Well, now that automation has come, the horses no longer need to be employed, do they? Right? Okay. Well, are horses getting other types of jobs? Um, you know, maybe some of them, but the rest gets to run free and or have like homes with people who take care of them and love them. And you know, some end up being killed for food. But like but the thing, it's like, this is... devaluing of human life that is so egregious. And it would be like shaming the horse for not being uh, pulling a carriage. That's what it is at this point. Yeah, that, that's the that's the GOP playbook, and that's why they're speaking out against the six hundred dollar boost. <laughs> it's like, oh, we think it's a disincentive to work. Work where you fucking shithead. Where you know you know what what what's gonna what doesn't work? Your brain. It's like uh, if if somebody could work, they can work on replacing that brain. Yes, but name calling never got anything done, did it? <laughs> yeah, unless you're Donald Trump. Then it did. <laughs> but did it really? <laughs> did it? Well, I mean, he got what he wanted, but he screwed up the whole entire country. Well, he, oh, got, no, the, no, no. he got the job, but was he qualified to do the job? No, no, no. I'd, I'd sit with, I'd sit right with there with you, Angelo, and uh, he he wasn't even not not just qualified. He didn't really want the job. Now, I still think he went on his presidential election not to get the job of the presidency, but to bolster the image of one of his projects that he then had to abandon because he got the job. Yeah, it was a marketing ploy. It was a marketing ploy that kind of blew up. <laughs> yeah, but can oh, I yeah. mention something? I have met someone who was running who didn't even want to win because it would bolster their product. I have met somebody. Right. And, and like they were okay that they didn't win because it meant they could continue on their project. Though, you know, they would have done work had they like won. But I mean, I don't think they're the only person who's ever done this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it puts you as a really high profile and then you can market that brand. But interestingly enough, um, and this is something that kind of goes all the way back to our founding, our founding fathers never intended for politics to be a career they intended for it to be a service to the country that you had to do you know those that 
saw something that needed to be fixed. You went, you did your time, and then you left and actually made your money in the regular markets. You know, most of these people that, you know, were some of our first congressmen were also business owners. They did their time in Congress and then went back to their lives as business owners. Well, that's, that's where actually, they were making their life. That, that's uh, along with the incumbency rate we were talking about earlier. I have major qualms that only lawyers, by and large, like over 90% of our Congress is just lawyers. No other trained profession. That seems like that shouldn't be that, right? Yeah. Like, that seems like a red flag even, you know? No scientists, no teachers, no tradespeople, no manufacturers, no mom and pop shops. So no. how do you change that? You lower the well, financial bar of entry. Well, yeah, you donate to uh, campaigns that aren't those those lawyers and you vote them in. That's really the only solution. Well, the other thing is you really need the reason why you get lawyers and you get people that are like high level business owners like Ted Cruz is because the the cost of entry just to run is ludicrously high. And that's sort of what keeps the incumbency in power also is the fact that the average mom and pop shop owner can't afford to take that kind of time away from work. And they certainly can't afford to spend huge amounts of money on a campaign with no guarantee of winning. So it's kind of a... And no guarantee of raising their profile like the business owners can leverage. Exactly. You know, they, they all have something to gain from it. You know, because even if they don't make it into elected office, they still have, you know, their business. And now they just raise the profile of their business a hundredfold. It definitely seems like a market that has been scammed, especially if you listen to the origins and to what it is now. It is so grotesquely, like, smeared from the original vision that, like, it's almost impossible to go back to capacity, you know of like refocusing unless we make the changes to policies that we've been talking about, you know, like the ranked choice voting would help, you know, the democracy dollars would help like these things to me sound like they are ways forward. I still think the big three are basic income, Medicare for all and ranked choice voting. If we had those three in America, we would, we would not have any of the issues we have now. Yeah. What 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 we need is people to listen. I mean that that's all that's 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 we're waiting for. And I think yeah. their 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 ears are really gonna perk up now that the six hundred is is going basically is going away. What is today uh, Friday? The, the, the six hundred is evaporating. The rent protections for most states is evaporating. Eviction protection for most states is evaporating. Like, we're going to see millions of people on the streets with no money and no food, and it's going to be a nightmare. This is going to be like the Greater Depression. Like, Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, during the Industrial Revolution, when a lot of people were displaced like that, it also led to a lot of violence. And that's something that we would rather not have um, happen again. I mean, one business yeah, owner didn't. literally had his balls shot off. And that's it, not it's, something I would It's only not. a matter of time yes. until the violence is going to come to the people who made the decisions well, to there lead was, to it. There was one and business owner who was like operating his business and got shot by police. 
Yeah. Like it's the chaos is already here. It's ridiculous. It's already here, but it's not to the level that it can be. That's the scary part. Because yeah. if we think people are angry now, imagine what happens when an even larger number of people are displaced, kicked out of their homes, and are basically desperate and left with nothing. Mm. Desperate people that have nothing to lose are a lot more dangerous because they literally have nothing to lose. Even being in jail means that they're out of the elements. Seems like that the Joker movie was more of a documentary than like, you know, (laughs) it became reality. It was like, it was like on schedule. You know, it's like they predicted the future and and the movie. And I I'm just saying like like it, it you know, it's funny because Martin Luther King wrote the book Chaos or Community and it looks like the GOP Senate the Senate just chose chaos. It it it's it's like the the choice was just put in front of them. It's like, hey, you know, Senate, chaos or community. I don't know, that's a tough one. Uh, I think it'll be chaos. Okay. <laughs> And here we go. Yeah, it's uh, it's disturbing in many ways, but that's also, I think, just the mentality of the people there. They still, they cannot break from the mold that's been instilled in them that, oh, the economy is still in the, you know, early to mid-industrial revolution. The, you know, corporate ladder is still a thing. Um, being able to get pensions are still a thing. Like, those... All those things had been dead for a very, very long time. And the world is not the same world that they left. But they have been insulated in their bubble for so long that it's kind of freaky if you think about it. I mean, for example, look at uh, Joe Biden. Joe Biden got into Congress um, by his own commercials when he was 29 years old. Joe Biden is 77. He was born in 1942. You know, how long has that disconnection happened you know what was the economy in the world like back in, in the 53 you know, yeah back in the 50s versus now what was the social contract like back then where businesses actually wanted to pay workers enough to buy their own products uh i noticed we're a little over time we had the hard stop today didn't we one oh that was uh for jeremy he's already left oh and he's already gone okay <laughs> Uh, but it is time. Do we want to wrap? Uh, if you got to go, yeah, let's wrap. No, uh, I don't have to. <laughs> no, we'll stick around until someone's got to go. Oh. Um, I, I gotta say, I really enjoyed this conversation today. Like, I feel like I kind of better understand cryptocurrency. And I'm trying to, like, honestly, using the Wreck-It Ralph reference actually helps me visualize things better. Man, I was translating that movie to society such a capacity that was freaky i was like oh my god this is how people think so i oh my gosh so uh like i just i use movies for that kind of comparison but i gotta say like it's it's helpful to hear these kind of things and uh your guys's uh input on my uh documentary was helpful too (laughs) uh but like it's so cool that we get together and discuss things like this um, but are also forward thinking too, you know, I, I, I listen to these other YouTubers and, you know, some of them are just reporting on the chaos that's happening and don't get me wrong. We do that too. But like, I feel like we have an element that's a little stronger than these other, um, because I feel like, I mean, we're actively trying to make changes and get other groups involved and listen and have like 
the most authentic news that we can find, you know, from people who actually are experts. You know, we don't have a whole list of lawyers talking about this stuff. We have real people. Yeah, thank, so thank you. you I really appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> group's awesome. Yeah. I, I got you. Thank you. Um, yeah. I actually agree with Faye. I think that this, you know, roundtable is helpful. It's a way to get an exchange of ideas and also to open our perspectives and look at these situations from multiple angles. And we all kind of come to the same conclusion that there's problems that need to be fixed but what is the root problem and how do we fix it it's just you know men who have lived through their prime making decisions for a country that's evolving and you know i don't know it can't be allowed to continue and we're just doing what we can in our little corner of the internet and the world to try to see if we can help it out yeah, we're all contributing in accordance with our ability. You know, it feels good to do that. It feels good to work for something you believe in. And I think part of the reason we stay forward thinking and we have something else to offer is because we don't think about like likes or clicks at all. We just stay focused on our vision and we have like an honest exchange of ideas. And that's kind of an archaic thing, isn't it? You know, it's, uh, it doesn't help grow our audience because it doesn't feed the algorithms, but it does create a substantive program. And I'm really, really happy that you appreciate it. And I'm really happy that you participate in this creation. Oh, and of course, I'm really happy for, for your listening and viewing. Thank you. So, um, yeah. Should yes, we keep going? You. Do we want to sign off, or how's everybody feeling? Well, I'm going to sign let's, off because I have a, uh, another group that I need to talk with in a couple of minutes. Uh, thank right. you, Shale, and thank you definitely to our listeners because they are the most important part of boosting our algorithm is getting more people to watch us. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you uh, for... You guys can find me on Twitter at uh, jsabergamer, J-S-A-B-E-R-G-A-M-E-R. And yeah, have a good day, all. See you, Sheridan. Bye, Sheridan. Thanks again. All right, guys. Yeah, well, you guys can, can uh, keep talking for a bit, so uh, please continue. All right. Let's fun continue. So, Angelo, um, what, like, what, what is the Humanity Forward movement working on now? Getting them... um, the Humanity First movement right now is focused on a few different things. Uh, one is just um, getting more people to realize that we exist. Um, we're trying to work with all the states that have reactivated to help them sort of get to the same level of activation. And then we're also trying to activate all the states that have gone dark and the states that have already um, for- formed their uh, 501c4s. They're already... Um, taking on volunteers, they're already doing other things. Um, we're having them help the other states that are barely in their infancy sort of rise to that level, so this way we can get organized across the country. Um, we're also trying to boost the profile of um, many candidates so that we can meet with uh, Yang's goal, which he has stated he wants to make sure that we get at least three Yang Yang in Congress. So we're hoping to hit those milestones as well. And we're also working on many other projects on there. Um, Our diversity inclusion group is doing great work trying to um, boost mental health and morale during this time. They're working on a national level um, human resource department, which offers multiple services on top of, you know, obviously 
uh, making sure people are staying humanity first, but they're also um, offering things like that mental health um, service that I was talking about and just ways of um, keeping the Yang Gang, you know, in a good frame of mind. Uh, we're also trying to keep the... We're also trying to get the Twitter Yang Gang uh, reactivated and sort of uh, more active again. We're working with HF to sort of help boost Basecamp now that it's back up and running again. And we are working with um, MPP and Income Movement to try and push um, national initiatives, organize um, events and protests for universal basic income, and <clears throat> trying to assist in other projects um, like boosting the profile for uh, the project that me and Hannah are doing, which is the um, Testify for UBI project. So we're doing a lot of stuff up there. Also, Shale, sorry I haven't been as uh, active these days. It's been uh, kind of chaotic trying to keep track of everything that's going. Obviously, the ones I named were like the main projects, but there's like multiple things we're trying to juggle at the same time. So. Oh, I'm really glad you're doing so much for for the cause. You know, you're, I think you are you're contributing as best you can, and I really I think your priorities are right where they should be. Thank you for you know thinking of of us on the show. Um, the best thing I think a person who is like sort of starting to like um have a, a outgrow routine attendance because they're onto something like you know something else that they a, a project that's going to occupy them for a while. You know, not to say you won't leave and come back. Um, and have routine attendance again, or, or anyone, you know, it's it's free flowing. But um, the best thing that that someone who's finding they're not getting to as many episodes as they can uh, can do, I think, for our speakers is to bring someone else who will become a regular speaker. You know, grow the grow the show a little bit, someone with a new point of view, a friend, and have them come. And uh, you know, eventually they'll sort of come be in your stead if you're not there, and uh, it'll be the same amount of uh, perspectives and contribution. You know, it's just key. We have some growth and some turnovers. Good too. But, so, you know, thank you. Um, thank you. And look, uh, I, I do make it a point to talk about yeah. the show a lot, especially the fact that we had Tim Ryan on here, Rokan on here, and, you know, many other guests. And I hope that we get many more in the future. Uh, it's looking good. This is a good... This was a good uh, chill chill show. It's really always great to get a chance to talk to each other and explore some deeper ideas uh, without a without a guest that we're pressured to, to talk to all the time. So uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. Uh, I think we should we should call it here. Do you want to just give your, give your sign off, guys? Um, sure. So my name is Angelo. You can find me at Hellion Hellfire on Twitter. My name is Ariel. You can find me at Ariel's underscore Armada on Twitter, uh, Revolutionary Thinking on YouTube, and Ariel's underscore Ariel's on Instagram. And I am at S-H-A-E-L-R-I-L-E-Y on Twitter. Thank you for tuning in to the live stream. Thank you for listening on Spotify. Thank you for watching on YouTube. We love you. Uh, we will be back tomorrow with more basic income advocacy. Our show tomorrow, Saturday is at 3, and on Sunday we'll be on at 4. So, goodbye. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for listening.